Congratulations to the Navy midshipmen. I can't buy no more. Winners of the Commander in Chief's Trophy, the great Air Force Falcons. Welcome back to another episode of the Against All Enemies podcast. Uh, I believe we're in week five now. Is that correct? I'm losing track now. Week five? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Already. I think even last week yeah. I said week two or whatever. It's tough, too, when teams <laughs> have had buys. I'm like, well, Navy's only played two games. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the season is already, we're, we're going to be um, out of September, right? Um, after this coming weekend. So um, moving along quickly, which is always a good thing and a bad thing. Um, but we're excited to be back talking with you guys. Uh, I missed the last time, so um, I was, what was I doing? Oh, TED Talk, that's right. Um, that yeah. was happening. I did listen to you guys, like, speculating on the podcast. I listened to, your, I listened to the podcast. Yeah. Listen to you guys speculating there. Um, I, so I was doing that. We, we saw photos afterwards, so, you know, I think Scott's Navy football pick was wrong, but I guess it was, it was more along the lines of your book, huh? That's cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it was, it was. It was along the lines of my book. So that's another topic for another day. But that's what I was doing, yeah. So I wasn't there. Um, so you yeah, guys carried the load without me, and uh, we let Scott do the gambling picks, the risk management picks this week. So we'll get to that. But um, <laughs> that was a one-time deal. Because <laughs> <laughs> <Yep. laughs> he was pretty bold and uh, confident. And, um, yeah, it did not go. Did you go for four? It was 0 4 right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so we'll talk about that. But, uh we, uh, we had, uh, well, I would say, uh, I don't think, I mean, I, I don't know. We'll get into it. I, didn't, I was drilling this weekend, so I didn't get to, to see much outside of the first half of Air Force, Boise State. Uh, then I had to go to bed because I had to be up early and uh, missed all of the Army-Morgan State game. But I, I don't think either fan base is necessarily going into this week um, happy, um, per se. Uh, so really curious to get your guys' takes on that. Fill me in on what happened. Um, so let's just kick it right off. Let's just start with Air Force, Scott. Um, you've had a couple of days now. You had the Friday night game. You even said before we came on that um, you, you were too tired anyways to write the recap, which can't blame you there um, by the time the game was over. But, uh, you know, just didn't think that it was it was a wise decision to, to write that recap at, right after the game. Um, so you've had now all weekend, Saturday, Sunday, to kind of think about it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the floor is yours. Takeaways from, uh, from Air Force's... Um, 30 to 19 loss at Boise State. Yeah, so I really have gone back and forth on exactly what I think about this. And if just to put it into perspective with the fact that we've come off of two losing seasons, everything that came out before the season was just conjecture and talk about how improved we were going to be. And even all the analysts who were not Air Force homers. We're saying we were going to be 7-5, and five, and now it looks like we're going to do much better than that. But I think that as somebody who is an Air Force fan, to really take a stand, I completely believe in the fact that there's no moral victories. I don't even think that there's a, but this was a positive out of this game, um, and I don't even see any lessons learned. And I'm kind of taking this just based on how I was as a fan when, when the Michigan Army game was over. It's It was still a loss. 
And so that was kind of my thought is how they were like, they never gave up. That's great, but it's still a loss. And with how these teams are supposed to be doing at this point in the season, um, I think it was just really tough to see. The game in and of itself was just a tale of two halves. Um, but really, we came out just slow. It seemed like we kind of wanted to just have a bare-bones attack and just squeak out a win at the end and kind of win on the statistical timing of controlling the football and that sort of thing. And that really that plan only works if everybody's healthy and everybody's playing at 100%. Um, and so I we were the clear victors of the first half in, in possession and statistically, and Donald Hammond played really well, and Taven Burdo played really well, and um, and the defense was, was fantastic. But then going into the second half, when Donald Hammond had hurt his, his ankle, we put in Isaiah Sanders, and he rose to the occasion. He played as well as he really could, but the problem is that it was super evident that the entire offense is built around Donald Hammond. And so he went two for two on his passes. He actually opened up the second half with a nice pass, um, for I, I think it was about fifteen or seventeen yards yeah. to but, Gerald Sanders, right? I remember. That. Yeah. I actually watched that. It was like I, as soon as that series was over, is when I quit watching. So, mm-hmm. but as soon as that was done, there was really nothing left, and it seemed like what we were doing was just trying to give fullback draws to Taven Burdo to kill the clock and see if we could get Donald Hammond back in. Um, and even when we went to run some of the triple option plays, which is really what's suited for for Isaiah Sanders. They seemed really slow to develop, and they seemed clunky. Uh, and a few times we lost yards on them, and it was just—it was just really nasty. And towards the end of the game, we started to make a little bit of a comeback. Um, but the announcers, who obviously are Boise announcers—I mean, you look at the contract; these are all their games, so it was—it was clearly really biased in that regard. But they talked about how Air Force just didn't have the toolbox to be able to make the comeback, and I disagreed with that. I thought that we did, but it definitely seemed too little, too late. Uh, even with that final touchdown to put us 11 points behind, uh, it was just it was just really tough to see. And I think my biggest problem with it that kind of disgusts me a little bit about the way that this game ended is just that our players have all the talent in the world. I think that a better game plan, more prepared team for different scenarios, like an injury from Donald Hammond, could have had a different result. And to an extent, I think we threw this game away. Even though Boise State is arguably... Um, the best team in the kind of rest of five conferences, I think we really threw this game away and had it in the bag the entire time. Um, it's it's just frustrating is really all I can say. And and now I think that this is going to have implications down the road uh, in the Mountain West Conference. It definitely will. And obviously we haven't even gotten into the CIC race or anything like that, but this is... This is kind of a dagger to us, and especially when when we were we took the lead in the first half, and I was just kind of thinking about the implications of what a win would mean, how we would get that ranking, get the monkey off our back, and move into some easier conference games. Um, so I'm, yeah, it's just frustrating. I think we needed this one, and and we didn't come through. Yeah, uh, so definitely you're still. Apparently down in the dumps a little bit. Um, I'm happy, you know, going to get you know some other takes from from Austin or or Kayla, whoever you know was watching the game. I agree with you in the first half. From what I saw, like Air Force was the better team. That that game should not have been 10-10 at the half. Um, I feel like Air Force should have had the lead, squandered some opportunities. Um, the defense looked really good. Lakota Wills is just, I mean, multiple games now this season, and what I've seen, where I mean, he's just he's just making plays. Um, 
Um, and, and they, they were all over, uh, Hank Bachmeyer in the first half and, um, it really, I mean, really had control of the game. So for it to be 10, 10 and a half had to already kind of be a, a, mo- a momentum, not a swing, but just in Boise's favor that that game's only 10, 10 at the half and that they kind of come out with a clean slate in the second half. Um, my kind of overall thing, and then I'll get Austin or, or Kayla's takes is, uh, and maybe this helps, maybe it doesn't, maybe, you know, take it or leave it type thing. But I mean, we've, we've said since the beginning of the year, like this was going to be a tough, a tough win. And I, and I get like get and I get looking at the first half and watching it and being like, yeah, this is Air Force has the tools, they have the team to, to win this game, they have the talent to win this game, um, but it's still Friday night on the blue turf in Boise, um, coming off the you know the game against Colorado and that that's just that's tough sledding like I mean that's just that's going to be a really really difficult game early in the season, um, and so you know we'll we'll see how this plays out in the Mountain West because honestly like I think Boise State loses a game. Um, perhaps, or you know, maybe even two in the Mountain West. I'm I'm not 100% sold on them as um, you kind of threw out best group of five teams. Certainly, I'm not certainly sold on that yet. Um, but but they've they've just kind of shown signs that they, that they're certainly not um, the dominant team they have been in the past. And so I, I just I don't know. I just think that was going to be a tough. It was just going to be an uphill battle to win that Friday night game um, in Boise. And so I mean, yeah, I mean to take them. And, and show that you have the talent level. Yes, it's not it's not a moral victory. I'm not saying it's a moral victory, but um, I would come away from that saying, you know, if we play up to our capability, which to your point, scheme and, and planning and whether Air Force can actually do that is a whole other story. But if you do, you still are going to have a, a very successful season. I think the, the only other thing that makes it frustrating and that makes it difficult to stomach is it just with how Boise played, like you said, they, they really weren't this powerhouse top 20 team that feels like um they're on par with a lot of power five schools it just felt like this can happen in another conference game on the schedule it felt like this could happen against utah state fresno state um even even next week who knows with san jose state after they just beat arkansas so i mean that that's really what makes me nervous going going forward yeah a a big the big takeaway for me was more on the Boise side of things. Like uh, we, we talked last week how Air Force didn't play their best game when they beat Colorado. Um, Air Force obviously didn't play their best game. And uh, to Justin's point, in the first half at least, looked like the better team. So I kind of left this game thinking, yeah, this was kind of a squandered opportunity because it wasn't Air Force's uh, best football they've played all year. And Boise State doesn't doesn't look invincible by any means. They look beatable for sure. So I kind of agree with Justin. You know, they got that game at Utah State. I think Thanksgiving weekend. That's the rivalry game. They got to play Hawaii, and then maybe there's a conference championship game. Uh, I don't know. Maybe they meet San Diego State or something like that. So I feel that the hardest thing for Air Force was coming after that big win against a Power Five Pac-12 team. I know it's not an in-state rival per se, uh, but on on a, you know, on a short week, you get a day less to prepare. You, you probably played one of the more physical teams you're going to play, which I know is a cliche, but to Justin's point as well, like getting there on a Friday night, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. So even if Air Force plays well, do they win? Uh, it, you, before this game, my prediction was still that they were going to fall short. Um, but when I saw Boise on the field, I thought, you know, Air Force, Air Force might be might be able to win this game, right? Like my my tune kind of changed, but then. I think after that injury to uh, to Hammond, the game just kind of shifted and just didn't didn't perform to the expectations that I think Air Force football had shown in previous weeks. Definitely. 
I think I agree also kind of with the sentiment of, of building this team around Donald Hammond because I had and I had Air Force pick to win this week. And I think after noticing that injury and looking to see how Isaiah Sanders performed, even though he performed well, um, trying to see if, you know, Donald Hammond was going to go back in and noticing um, early on uh, in the fourth quarter uh, that pass that was intercepted and then Boise State returned like 50 yards. After that, it kind of just seemed like a slow sort of downhill uh, for Air Force to kind of, you know, be able to to come back up and and meet them. So um, I don't know. It's interesting. I think going into next week, hopefully, you know, he's healthy. But it like, we mentioned so many times before how talented the team is on an individual basis. So it was kind of weird to see how they couldn't seem to put the pieces together uh, in the second half uh, without Donald Hamlin there. Um, to kind of pull out the win. Um, like, I think Boise State, like I said before, just has a lot of heart, uh, you know, and they'll just keep, you know, being continuous um, and, you know, just running down this Air Force team, which is, I think, just what happened. I don't think, like, by any means necessary that it was uh, surprising, especially during the second half, but I think it was, like, you know, like Scott said, it's just something that believable, like, it could happen really at, at any week, and that's just, I think, what what happened. Yeah, uh, I mean, so I don't know. Maybe that help. Does that help? It maybe not at all, Scott. You're probably still just like, yeah, whatever. Guys. <laughs> it was certainly but, uh, a beatable Boise State team. So I mean, I, I'd be yeah. bummed. I can't, you know, I can't lie to you about that. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, no, I, I totally, totally agree. Would be feeling the same way if it was Navy in, in the situation. But I guess the 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 optimist in me says because I I really am just not sold on Boise to Austin's point. Um, and given what we know about Florida State, and they, they were able to make that comeback, um, but they and then the Marshall game, fourteen uh, seven or whatever. I'm just I, I think there is a chance that Boise loses um, multiple conference games this year, potentially. A lot of things have to go right for those teams to win those games too, for sure. Um, so I guess I was saying that to say, like even in the Mountain West race, don't I, I wouldn't say just throw Air Force out and like it's over now or something like that. That's just my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I obviously like the ideal situation is controlling your own destiny, and it hurts yeah. to lose that in in week four um, and in your third game, like it or lose some semblance of that as as it stands. So I don't know. So all right, well, we'll come back. We're gonna get to talk San Jose State. Like you said, they did beat Arkansas, but that's a whole other topic, whole other conversation. We'll get to that. Um, but somebody's got to tell me like what the heck was going on with the Army Morgan State game because I did not see any of it because I was a drill. Um, but I did see Jeff Munkin's halftime um, conversation, if that's what you want to call it, uh, with the reporter. He did not seem happy, so somebody fill me in. Uh, um, I mean, seeing him even before, you know, that halftime uh, situation, you know, on just on the sidelines, I think, you know, we had Morgan State, you know, pick to just be this blowout game, which if you look from, the, you know, from, of course, the, the numbers, it, it does look that way. Uh, but it was a really slow start. Um, slow start, one, because Morgan State had so many false start penalties, and I was actually rooting for them in the beginning because I just wanted us to get, like, a drive going. So once we got past um, kind of that sort of beginning, it, it was just interesting. I mean, Jabari Laws did well but was getting sacked a couple times um, really well, um, you know, behind the line. Morgan State has some really big guys on defense. They made uh, a couple really good, you know, 69-yard, um, you know, scoring drives that – really kind of allowed them to, to meet Army up until the half. And it seemed like after, 
I guess after the first quarter, um, especially after the half, it, whatever Jeff Munkin, you know, said to the team um, during halftime obviously changed, you know, the entire, I guess, you know, mindset of what this team was doing. Uh, you know, they made some mistakes themselves, but I think individually, you know, some great players did well. Artis Hobbs did really well. Connor Slomka, of course, um, was a name that you just heard over and over again in terms of, you know, the play-by-play announcers. But I think just really kind of small mistakes and some sloppy play calling, uh, just it didn't seem – Army just wasn't at his best, and that's not really what you want to see going into um, a bye week before we before we played Tulane. Uh, I mean, we even saw, like, a freshman quarterback. We saw Christian Anderson out in the field, which was interesting. Um, I thought, you know, Kelvin Hopkins was on the sideline, you know, suited up, warming up. Um, talking to the guy, so it wasn't really clear uh, if he was going to be on the field for a long period of time. So I'm not really sure exactly uh, what Coach Munkin's, uh, you know, kind of mindset was um, in terms of just some, some of the decisions that were made uh, on the field. But it was it was an odd game, despite us, you know, uh, winning. So so my so tell me about Christian Anderson then, because I've never seen him play. Um, you know, getting in there, but the stats don't look great i mean i had yeah. nine carries for 75 yards that's not a bad average but um one for seven pass and that one for seven went for an 80 yard touchdown to hobbs um so he did he did have that touchdown pass but otherwise didn't didn't complete a single pass so you know kayla your thoughts and then um i know austin i, th- I think you said you watched the majority of this game so want to get your thoughts as well i mean it was it was cool to see him play i was just kind of confused why you wouldn't have you know kelvin hopkins go in i mean obviously maybe he wasn't you know fully ready to go and like totally healthy even though kind of on the beginning seeing him on the sidelines and getting suited up maybe that was just to encourage the team um speak to the guys but i would have just had jabari laws you know like i said he also got hurt so it was it was just weird to see um like i said the morgan state had some great defenders um just kind of knocking the guys down um you know behind the line and and kind of preventing us from making you know those short drives and and the possession that usually you know you're, you're used to seeing an army team do um, so yeah, it was just a little odd. I guess I guess my question was more just like how did Christian Anderson look since it was his, our first look at him? Because to your point, I mean, I, I would assume that Munkin was doing exactly what you said, um, and that he kept they kept Hopkins out because of the bye week coming up, and then a whole nother week knowing that they were not going to lose the game to Morgan State. Yeah. Um, although apparently they were down after the first quarter. Um, but so I'm sure that was why. So, yeah. So just like how, how did he look? Because now we, we saw Jabari Laws last week against UTSA and he certainly um, showed some flashes. So um, how, how did Anderson look? I guess this is kind of QB three. No, I, I think I, you know, still variable impressed by him um, and seeing him kind of out there and, and the numbers that he put up, especially that touchdown pass near the end. Um, I think and we had talked about this before is kind of looking at what's you know what are they going to do thinking this is going to be a blowout game are we going to see uh you know coach munkin put in uh, you know a lot of these you know secondary players i was not expecting christian anderson to be out there um but i was you know variably kind of impressed by his play i don't know if i necessarily you know penning everybody's healthy uh would expect to see him you know on the field during the tulane game i think if anything this was a good opportunity um a little later kind of in the quarter to see him on the field um, and people have talked so many times in, in press conferences and just about how Kelvin Hopkins uh, just is a leader with, uh, you know, these guys and, and bringing them up and so many of the younger guys on the team. So um, I think he just definitely shows, shows promise. 
um, and, you know, stepped up to the plate with, you know, having injuries. And that's just kind of what you want and what you expect uh, from the team. So. All right, I'll give you the outsider answer. He didn't look great. He really didn't. I mean, <laughs> the, the bottom line is we got to remember that this is a Morgan State team who got blown yeah. out by JMU and Bowling Green. And sure, JMU's good. They have they have some history. They're, they're a quality FCS team. But this is an FCS team. And I think that I don't want to talk down about Munkin because he's obviously very smart. He knows what he's doing. He's an experienced coach. He's brought Army back from the void. But the truth of the matter is that Army is still, no matter what kind of hype they get, they're still a triple option team. They're the most triple option of all three service academies. And the, the fact of the matter is that triple option is a system that revolves around a consistent, constant team. And so this goes back to probably the scheduling argument. What is the point of putting Morgan State out there? Um, I mean, it's it's literally just to pad your win column. And so I think Jeff Munkin came into this game, said we're gonna we're not testing these guys because they're not gonna really see the field much, uh, barring injury, unless there's an injury uh, later on in the season. So it's they need to have their starters out there playing the game. When you run the triple option system, it's all about fluidity and having connections with your players and chemistry and that kind of thing. And the nature of it is that every game, even against easier opponents, is going to be tough because it's a very tough thing to run. It's, the, it's one of the least efficient systems. And, I mean, of course, some people are going to say it's not because they have all these fourth downs. Compared to a passing team, it absolutely is. You you can put more points on the board when you're a passing team versus a triple option. Um, and so I think the issue is, is that now we have – a team where their starters have taken taken some rest, and maybe they're going to do fine. Maybe they're going to do fine against Tulane, but I think that the game plan of, okay, we're just going to put all of our younger players out there and let them run and kind of see what happens, it, it wasn't great. It wasn't a great showing, and I don't think it's good for morale to not have just immediate blowout. Um, and then you're also dealing with other things when you have guys who are inexperienced um, and a Morgan State team who plays, they play frustrated. They had a player ejected for targeting. There were injuries all over the place. There was tons of sloppy play. And Army had some highlights because Morgan State is just that bad. Um, but I was not happy with it. And and when I say Christian Anderson played bad, I don't mean that he didn't have good plays. I'm saying it's not his time. It's Calvin Hopkins' time right now. It's all the starters' time. Let them play. Let them get the experience and tune up for these bigger games. Now you got Tulane going into next week. And what did they learn from this? Absolutely nothing. Yeah, so to a couple of your points, um, and then I want to get Austin's take too for sure on this, and then we'll go to a break. Um, the first one being that you know, I, I understand Kellen Hopkins was was injured last week, um, but even then, like it still looked like he could have potentially gone if he had to go type thing, and yeah. and that that's the speculation. That's obviously, you know, people might listen to this and critique me on saying that because I, I get it. Like you don't want to put him in there if he's injured coming off the Michigan game. Um, and even this week, I, I, I get the logic, you know, of well, it's Morgan State, um, and he's, he'll have a whole other week, if, you know, to get ready if he's not completely healthy. But if he was able to potentially go to Scott's point, um, by the time he plays Tulane, he will have gone a whole month without playing foot, you know, without playing a game, um, and 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 you know, four weeks um, between not playing the UTSA game, the Morgan State game, and the bye week, and obviously he's practicing and all that. I got it, but. Um, and to follow up on that same point, um, I think, and everybody knows I'm a Clemson fan, but like the way that, so Clemson played 111 players against Charlotte on Saturday. 
um, which is just like insane, right? Um, but the way that they do it, and, and I think it's really cool um, to be able to do that, but it's like opposite, right? Like whereas Army is starting with the the, the backups in and or, or whatever, Clemson gets up 28 points or whatever in the second quarter and then starts putting people in and just keeps keeps adding and going second, third, fourth, fifth string. They, had, they played five quarterbacks um, in the game, and it's just a kind of a different approach of doing that. And so, like, I get it. Yeah, it's great. Let's get everybody some experience. But, like, do that when you're up four touchdowns like you expect to be, not when you're, you know, down seven points going in the second quarter against one of the worst FCS teams in the country, probably. So And like and like you just mentioned with Clemson, Army isn't primed, you know, to do that, right? From what we've seen ex- exactly or so far is, is make those rotations and have those secondary guys. And we did, you know, a couple switch out with, with you know, some fullbacks. But like, like you said, that's not something that they um, kind of by nature is something that they do. Uh, and to Scott's points, like you said, it's a, a system team. And so when you have a couple of the guys who are, you know, integral to that system, um, it kind of just seems like, okay, what do we do now? Um, and that's kind of what happened. Awesome. Yeah, I'm not going to beat a dead horse. I'll take a few takeaways. Morgan State is not a good football team. Uh, they were very <laughs> undisciplined, made a lot of errors. Uh, Army was able to kind of just beat them on just being more talented alone, uh, which was – the reason Calvin Hopkins is not in there and the reason Army was still able to win by 31 points was because Morgan State was so bad. I think three quarters of their opponents this year, that's a much tougher game for Army to pull out a win just by the performance that happened. But Calvin Hopkins is probably playing in those situations, if we're being honest. In fact, Hopkins, I think, went in for one or maybe two play. I think it was just one yeah. play because Christian one Anderson's play. helmet came off. This was after Laws got hurt. So he did get in there. So, I mean, he was able to do that at least. Um, I mean, yeah. they, you know, they could have done one or a wildcat if they wanted to for just one play, but they didn't. So he put it, you know, they put Calvin Hopkins in there. But another takeaway. So yeah, one takeaway, Morgan State's bad at football. Um, two, Connor Slomka had, I, I think, a good game for like getting kind of back on track. He hit over 100 yards for the first time this season, which I think was kind of what you wanted out of everyone. You kind of wanted this offense to kind of get going and feel uh, like a well-oiled machine going into Tulane, which is not what happened. But if anything, if I'm Slomka, I'm feeling a little bit better about myself and maybe the interior linemen feel like they can get a running game going inside. And that might be the one positive takeaway, I would say, from it. Christian Anderson, he looked like QB3. You know what I mean? Like, it's clear that he's the third quarterback. Uh, he did get offensive player of the game for their internal, like, awards. Army West Point football just announced it uh, like an hour or so ago on, on Twitter anyway. So he did get that. I mean, he probably doesn't get a lot of opportunities to get that. So I'm not trying to discredit that award, but I mean, it was kind of tough sledding to pick really anyone from the game. But at the end of the day, we're talking about how poorly they did and they still put up 52 points because one, Morgan State's that bad, but two, they were able to figure it out in the last at least, you know, two quarters. Um, so I, I mean, with all due respect, when I say with all due respect, I mean with all due respect. Um, and I know army people. We know, are we be know what that means up, in the south. Up in arms. You're from the south, you know what that means. <laughs> right. <laughs> army people are going to be all up in arms. I, I got it um, because I'm going to make a negative comment, um, you know, here. But like, what about army's season so far gives you confidence that they are even remotely close to the team that you thought they were going to be going into this year when we're talking about an undefeated season, potentially, um, and. I'm like I'm. I'm sorry. Like, fourteen seven game against Rice. I believe that Michigan game will look worse week by week in over the next two months. 
Um, you know, it's still great. It's still amazing to take them to overtime in the big house. I got it. Um, that offense at Michigan has doesn't have a clue what they're doing right now under Josh Gaddis. And and um, I, you, if you watch the Wisconsin game at all, which that was the one game on in in the at the drill hall. Um, I mean, that was just not. They're just not. I don't yeah. think a good team. And then the UTSA game, and then this like four games in, three and one, great. But like I have, I just don't see anything that tells me like that this this is a you know ten win team outside of potentially the fact that the schedule is set up for them to, to, to be that. Does, does that make sense at all? Or am I like, no, definitely. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't think this stack the, that Michigan game is not stack up now to what Oklahoma game was last year. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's not the same. Yeah. And by the end of, by the end of the season, it, it, it means you can say that now, but even a few weeks sure. down the road, I just think there's a chance Michigan ends up with, you know, four losses in the big I 10. I think we predicted uh army going maybe 10 and three this year. I think is what we predicted. And yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. What I've seen so far, I would still say, yeah, like, you know, Tulane, Hawaii, Air Force, Army, like, it's going to be tough to win all those games from what we've seen so far. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so <clears throat> I think as the resident Army fan agitator slash I get annoyed by them, <laughs> I mean, what I'll give Army kind of credence on is the, the fact that when they do play their brand of football when Jeff Munkin sticks to his plan and they just truly take it week by week and not and they pay a lot I, I think that they've paid a lot of lip service this year that you know we're just this humble team who we go out there and we get business done on the field I don't think they've been doing that if it really does feel like all the accolades have kind of gotten to their head and that's why I said uh, talking last week about Calvin Hopkins I mean He's a he works really well for their system. He's not a Heisman finalist by any stretch of the imagination. So I think they need to get all of this out of their head and start acting like the army who's been having these really really good seasons where they're beating yeah. where they're winning the Commander in Chiefs Trophy and that kind of thing. So and if you are an army fan, you're listening to this and you're getting frustrated with us and you're shaking your head and and maybe you've even turned it off by now. What I will say is why wouldn't you want better for your team? Like, if you looked at this game and you say, well, we won 52-21, to 21, that's all I want, why wouldn't you want better? Why wouldn't you want to take your team each week and say, we could beat a top-ranked team? That's the one thing I don't understand that I haven't seen a lot from, from Army fans this season. It just seems like they're very content with what's going on right in front of them. And, I yeah, I don't think that Army's living up to the talent that they have on their team um, with Connor Slomko, with, um, with Kelvin Hopkins, and, and with some of their defense. So... I think that's really where we're at. Is they're just they're just not living up to their potential by any means. Yeah, and I mean I get it that we're the Navy and Air Force guys, so like I, you know, and and Kayla's very much more you know positive on the front. It's not that, and I want Army to succeed. Like I I, I know that we same. come across that way, perhaps, but it's also like I promise you, if like um, my viewpoint has changed in the last two years doing this for sure, and um, like legitimately like covering all three service academies like i am i am rooting for army each week i'm watching their game every week that i that i have the opportunity um not we're not just getting up on here and just like talking um like we're paying attention we're watching and these are like unbiased observations um by three guys that happen to have gone to other service academies but want army to succeed during the season and i just spoke for you too so if that's not the case you can say no you know beat army, <laughs> hey beat army they're audience, still but... three and one they beat everyone they're supposed to beat and they've lost yeah. two they're supposed to lose two right so Good happens. point. Good point. According yeah. to our predictions so yeah. far, yep. yep. No, that's, that's a really good point. So we'll end on that. All right, let's take a break. <laughs> uh, we've been talking for a while. 
And when we come back, we'll uh, switch gears to Navy, which hasn't gotten much love the past two weeks because they were on a bye. So we'll get to talk uh, Navy Memphis. All right, welcome back to the Against All Enemies podcast. Uh, we've covered last week's games, spent our first first half of our episode talking Air Force Boise State and Army Morgan State. Uh, and now we're going to turn our attention to Navy, which was off last week, um, and so didn't really get much love last week really on the podcast. Um, and and so time to get back into Navy football, a team that is 2-0, coming off a big conference win against ECU. Um, and I will just go ahead and set this up in the same vein in which I said no matter you know, what and how good and talented um, Air Force was going into Boise on Friday night, I feel very, very strongly that this is a very similar situation. Not that Navy is not capable. Absolutely they're capable of beating Memphis this week. Um, but having to go play Memphis, even though there's uh, the bye week helps obviously too um, to have had that extra week. So it's not as bad on the short week, but it's still – traveling during the middle of the school week to go to this game on um, on Thursday night to play Memphis. Um, and I believe, I'm going to look it up while while Austin talks and preps us for, uh, for what we got for Navy um, traveling to Memphis this week. Um, but I believe, based on one of our previous podcasts, I did look this up, and this is six-week exams for the mids. And Navy football has struggled in recent years. There was a Temple game, I think it was two years ago. Is that right, Austin, when they went to Temple and just laid a goose egg um, during 12-week exams? And I mean, it's, it's not like, I mean, it's tough. Like it's, it is a set aside exam week. There's two of them during the year, six week, 12 weeks, and then the final exams. Um, and the majority of your classes have exams. Cause that's what it's literally set up for. You have, you go to early class periods, um, and take exams in the morning, like six 30. Uh, and so for arm or for Navy, excuse me, to be having to go play a Thursday night game, during their first exam period of the year um i don't i just think that's that's not like something to just kind of brush as oh that's an interesting tidbit like i think that that has played an an impact in the past and i think it's a big deal so um austin what do we what do we got memphis yeah uh memphis obviously coming off of a a bye as well with this being a thursday night game so more time to prepare for the option you could say um brady white at quarterback a pretty pretty solid quarterback. Uh, if you go back to week one, that was probably his weakest performance. It was a 15-10 win, but it was still a win over Ole Miss. Uh, holding Ole Miss to just 10 points looks good on paper. Ole Miss offense is struggling a little bit. They've been struggling kind of get going. They got Rich Rod as a new offensive coordinator this year, and I was even watching the game against Cal on Saturday, and it just there there's it's it's not running on all cylinders right now. Uh, that's not taken away from Memphis's defense, but that's certainly Ole Miss, or that's Ole Memphis's biggest win so far. Um, they've got Kenneth Gainwell as the running back. They like to go through Demonte uh, Coxey as the receiver. He's kind of the receiving leader. He's got 15 receptions for 237 yards, which leads the team in both categories, but he doesn't have a touchdown to score from it. But he gets a lot of yards after catch. He's kind of a screen guy, maybe like a quick slant, and he kind of boosts with some speed after that. They like to come out of the backfield as well in the passing game. Um, Gainwell is their second leading reception leader, and he's their leading uh, running back as well. So he ran for 307 yards and three touchdowns, and he has 12 receptions for a touchdown as well. So certainly a playmaker has playmaking ability. If you look at what they've done so far in 2019, they're definitely performing better than expected, I would say, in the second day. I want to say better than expected. They, they do have a strong defense, but I think 
that's something that's new for Memphis in terms of what you're used to in the Memphis when they were successful in the AAC three or four years ago when it was a Justin Fuente team. It was offensive heavy. Now it seems like it's they're getting a little bit better on the defensive side of the ball um, with actually maybe losing a little bit of offensive production. Uh, but uh, still a very dangerous team. I actually have them as my my top team in the AAC right now. That doesn't mean that UCF is not deserving after a one-point row loss at Pitt, but I do think Memphis does look the best right now in terms of the eye test, um, but they have played against kind of more inferior competition except for that win over Ole Miss in week one. So um, how Navy is able to exploit their defense or exploit the Tigers in terms of the running game is going to be interesting because Memphis's strength on defense is more in the passing game. They're, they're stronger in the secondary than they are kind of inside in the front seven. So I think Navy has a chance there, but at the same time, Navy's probably biggest struggle is trying to stop a passing team like Memphis has, especially ones that have playmakers and yards after catchability. So that'll be an interesting matchup to see. Uh, I, I think back to the game that I went to years ago and I went to the game at Memphis where Navy defeated Memphis. I forget the score. It was like 50 to 20 or something like that when Memphis was 17th or something like that in the country. And I went in there thinking Memphis is either going to win by a lot or Navy is going to sneak out a win. Those were the two kind of ways I looked into the game. That's still how I feel about this Thursday. But then to go back and say, well, Navy was dominating in that game. So who knows what I know? You know what I mean? The line was the line was minus 14 when it opened up in favor of Memphis. It shifted to minus 12, so some people were bet on that early. It, it, it shifted like in the first two hours on Vegas Insider. Uh, I think if you could get it for 14, it sounds good, but once you start getting under two, it's a little bit more of a, eh, you know, I, I, it's still kind of an unknown after Navy's only played ECU and Holy Cross. Yeah, so it was a 45-20 victory in 2015, so you were actually really close oh, there with your, mem- with your memory. Um, and, and it was, yeah, number 13 Memphis that year at the Liberty Bowl. So, um, yeah, and, and I, mean, tell me, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong about the, the exam thing. I could be blowing that out, but I just I feel like that's like it, it's tough enough to go on a Thursday night and you add in the fact that it's the first exam period of the year and you remember like how X-Week exams work. They haven't really changed that much. Um, like I remember at the Temple game, I think it was two years ago when they had the same thing. I think it was 12 week exams. Um, like they're talking about, Ken's talking about like the team was having to like the morning of the game, the team is taking two hours out of their morning to go sit in, you know, in a hotel, um, conference room and take calculus exam or whatever it was. Like they were like having to do that because you can't just like reschedule these things necessarily. So, um, I just, I think that's. And I know I'm emphasizing it, but I just think that's an, an important thing to, to think about is just like, even not just for the game, but just thinking about like what these guys go through and the fact that during an exam week, they're traveling to Memphis on, on Wednesday or whenever they're leaving in the middle of the week, um, knowing they probably had a couple exams, they're having exams that are going to be going on while they're gone and that they may have to make up. And then, you know, it, it's just, it's just not a good time to, to be going to play a football game um, at, a, at a school that where, where things are just blocked out like that for the exams. I feel like it'd be the the perfect article, perfect research article. Maybe it's an off-season article. You could probably look back the last few years yeah. and find out how it does impact. I mean, it's it's. I'm not like putting you down by saying this. It's easy to say that, but I honestly don't have like a statistical frame of reference to know if that's actually what's been happening or not, or what the quality of opponents have been in those weeks and all that. So uh, we'll see. I'm sure we'll hear about it if that's the case. I'm sure we will. I'm sure we will. 
Um, so, uh, Scott or Kayla, do you guys have any thoughts heading into this game? Because I would like to then bring up, we did really just talked Memphis, and I brought up my kind of thing there, but we have we didn't talk Navy yet, so I'll come back to you, Austin, to actually talk, like, where does Navy kind of stand heading into this game? But you guys got any thoughts? Um, I will say that I think, you know, Memphis has a, a handful of really uh, good receivers um, and good running backs and just kind of numbers against South Alabama. They totaled uh, 530 offensive yards, I think, on both sides, uh, they're a good rushing and passing team. Uh, and I know we've seen some some really awesome, like, deep throws um, from Malcolm Perry and, and some really awesome playmaking. But um, I think they're kind of good on, on, on both sides of the field. And I think uh, having some really awesome and talented receivers, I think Kylan, Kylan I don't know how to pronounce his name, Watkins, um, as well as uh, Kenneth Gainwell and some other good guys, um, I think could give them a run for much. For their money in sort of uh, the rushing game, so we'll see what happens. I'm just really excited. I mean, this is Navy's first test, right? So I'm excited to see if the players who've been pl- playing really well, like Malcolm Perry, uh, especially, is going to be the real deal. Uh, Fago on defense, like, I mean, there's just not a whole lot that we could really connect the dots um, going into this Memphis game after playing ECU and Holy Cross. So. I mean, that's that's really it. You know, they can put up a lot of points and play really well against smaller, easier teams. Can they get the job done against Memphis? And this is, I mean, this is kind of coming from just how I've seen um, both Army and Air Force take on tougher opponents this season. So, good luck to all Navy fans. That's what I have to say about it so far. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, we've seen what we think are indications, glimpses of uh, strides made by Perry um in the passing game i still think he's looked he's looked better absolutely looked better um but it's still he's he still missed quite a few um in both games but 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 making strides there running the offense better is probably the biggest thing it's just um, more efficient with the offense better at making his reads um the slot backs have been involved you know the fullback nelson smith i still think is is just really really um explosive and good and, and can break one at any time as we've seen um, in both games that they've played so far. And then for me, beyond all of that is the defense, um, which has been really good against two teams that don't have probably really good offenses. But um, still, that's a, that ECU game in the past is still a game where, you know, maybe it, it, where it's not 42 to 10 or whatever it was, right? It's a, um, a much closer, closer game, I think. And the defense has just made its mark so far. And so to Scott's point, yeah, the, those guys – um, Cameron Kinley's had a really good start to the year at corner, and all those guys, Elon Nash, Jacob Springer, um, Diego Fago, and then, you know, even on the D-line. Like, it's just, it's it's been good to see so far. So I'm, I'm with Scott, and obviously as a Navy fan, um, really, really excited to see um, to see how they play in a game. It's going to be a really tough game, but they absolutely have, um, have the ability to go in and win this game. Austin, do you have any more thoughts on Navy specific? You kind of gave us the Memphis rundown. Uh, yeah, when you look at the two combined, both of them average about 500 yards per game. On the defensive side, Navy average has allowed 226.5. Memphis has averaged, or yeah, averaged and allowed 226.3. <laughs> so it's crazy when you look at like the total defense, how close they are. But obviously, the competition is very different. Uh, Navy's only had two games, and uh, my point to all this is that I, we're still at an unknown stage. So Scott mentioned about being tested. This is Navy's first test, and I think how they're going to be successful in this game is actually on the defensive side of the ball. Can they create disruption? Uh, can they force an early turnover? Um, can they 
make Memphis a little bit uncomfortable. I think in previous years in the AAC, everyone kind of knew, hey, you, you take what Navy gives you, they're going to give you these little soft coverages. You just march it down the field, right? Uh, and with the Navy offense that was struggling, that was a great recipe for success in the AAC. So with a new Navy defense, I think this will be a good test for them to come out there and, and pressure the ball, try to force things, uh, force Memphis's hand, and that's how I think you're going to be successful. And if you fail at that, you're not going to be successful. But what do you have to lose? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I've been doing research while you guys have been talking too. I've been listening. I promise. I can I can multitask. Um, but I wanted to, to get to Austin's point. So last year, Navy's and I, I on and so I cannot find the fall 2017 calendar, but I'm like 99% sure that was the Temple game on a Thursday night or Friday night, whatever it was. I think it was Thursday night. It was a Thursday night, um, and uh, that and so I don't know if it was something that got brought up heading into uh, the next season. Um, but last year, uh, Navy's two bye weeks were six week and 12 week exam weeks. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so that's, yeah, it was, uh, let's see, let's see if I can figure out what day that was, um, uh, for the Temple game. You look that up. It's probably time uh, for us to take a quick break anyway. Yeah. Come back and then yeah, rep, yeah, mention yeah, yeah. that to us and then we'll, uh, we'll finish up yeah, with the Air Force right. San Jose State. Your boy, Chad Morris, ma'am. <laughs> yeah, lost yeah, yeah. to San Jose yeah. State, which I think I call them one of the weakest teams west of the Mississippi. Anyway, we'll talk about it in a little bit, huh? Sounds good. We'll come back. All right, welcome back to the Against All Enemies podcast. We just got done talking some Navy Memphis. Um, Austin and I are very excited. Uh, you coaching volleyball on Thursday night, or what? what are we, you gonna be able to watch the? Oh my goodness! So yeah, I've got a Thursday night match. It's in in the county, so it's close. But Kara, my wife, is actually going to be out of town. That Thursday night, because her friend has a Thursday night wedding, which is unique. I know. Interesting. I know. But it's during football season, so I'm like, I guess you get a pass, because it's not like a Saturday <laughs> wedding. Um, but I'm not going, but Kara's going, so I've got to lead the team by myself, hopeful to victory, hopeful a very fast three-set win, so I can get back to the TV before 8 o'clock. Thank you. Yeah, no, I'm really excited. Like, I, It's like the one day in the last like three weeks that I literally like look at my count. I, I have my calendar up right now, and it's the only day that there's nothing. The only thing that says on my calendar is Navy Memphis game, 8 p.m. Nice. Um, and then the three weeks after that are just going to be insane. So um, I've been really looking forward to that because I'm doing nothing. I don't have school. I'm doing nothing on Thursday night but watching Navy Memphis. Um, so yeah, I mean it's it's going to be a good game. It's going to be a lot of fun, um, and and I'm excited uh, to to be able to check that out. So. It was a Thursday night game in 2017 um, when Navy lost. I think it was 34-26, 36-24 to Temple. Um, and so, yeah, last year, um, both the bye weeks fell uh, on six-week and 12-week exams. Um, but then to Austin's point of, like, okay, go back further. Um, so 2016 uh, was six-week exams was at Air Force on a Saturday, um, which if it was at Air Force, that means it was a loss. We kind of already know that. But then the 12-week exams was Navy, Notre Dame, and Jacksonville, which Navy won and beat Notre Dame. Um, and then 2015 was a home game against Air Force, six-week exam week. I remember that, actually, because all the mids were pissed because it was Air Force week, which is, why, why would you have six weeks on Air Force week? Like, that's at home. Like, that's, that doesn't make any sense. Um, but that was, a, that was a victory. Um, and then the 12 week exams was at Me at Memphis, ironically enough, at the game that you were at, 45 to 20. Um, so really no uh, precedent outside of that Temple game, I guess that I that I brought up in the last <laughs> four years or so. 
Um, but but that Temple game was the only one that was a midweek game. I will say that. That's, that's the only example. Um, but I, I don't know. Anyways, enough on that point. All right. Air Force, San Jose State. So, Scott, we've given you like 45 minutes to, to kind of, you know, come around on this. All right, so we're going to put it behind us, right? We're putting Boise behind us. Let's move on to San Jose State, a team that surprised a lot of people on Saturday night um, by beating Arkansas. Um, so sidebar, can we just talk about like the SEC it, <laughs> Hot mess. in general outside of a few teams and some of the, some of those losses, see Mem- Mem- Ole Miss has lost to Memphis, Ole Miss went and lost to Cal, um, or I mean the ACC too, I mean it just, I don't know, this whole like, I, it just feels like this year like there's been some really good group of five victories, a lot of which have come from the Mountain West Conference, so, um, and of course the AC has had a few as well, but San Jose State. Um, pulled out a victory against Chad Morris in Arkansas. Um, soft spot in my heart for Chad Morris, of course, Clemson, former Clemson offensive coordinator, but also soft spot, met him at AAC Media Days, um, talked to him for a while, the one year I went. And then the first ever game I or Austin was credentialed for, um, just randomly we were going to watch Alabama-Wisconsin um, in the kickoff at Jerry's World in Dallas uh, on Saturday night. Um and uh, we got there on thir- Thursday night, I believe. Austin almost died. He was in the <laughs> he was in the hospital. True. And I, as I started telling the story, I forgot that part yep. um, that you were like we we had to take you to the hospital like as soon as we got into town. And yeah, and we we were supposed to go to the Texans preseason game on Thursday night that Texans that weekend. Cowboys, and yep. we had to <laughs> with Texans Cowboys, yeah. And we had to skip Texans Cowboys and watch it from uh, from a hospital room with Austin. With this but I, but I, told but I rebounded shit. Friday, went to the Baylor SMU game, which is which we were going with, yes. right? And then I know you're trying to speed me ahead, no, no, no. but I was gonna make no, I was gonna make the point that our that your nurse was like a former stripper or whatever. Because remember you telling us that <laughs> she was that like, conversation. What? It was odd. She was like telling it. She was like telling us which strip clubs to go to. We did not go. We did not go. But she was telling us to do that based on her uh, past employment. Or Justin, Justin's know. winking right now. <laughs> no, I'm not. We didn't go. No, I'm not. I don't remember what happened because I think they put me on Vicodin and I, I, yeah. I don't remember. Yeah, Austin almost died. He was in the hospital on Thursday night, and then but then Friday you did you rebounded and our first ever like credentialed college football game. We watched Baylor and Art Browse against Chad Morris and SMU and Chad Morris's I believe first, first season. Yeah. Um, First game, yeah. First season, first game with SMU. Um, and that was a lot of fun, uh, just for the first time having never done that, for us to split between the press box and, and down on the field, taking pictures and just watching the game. It was a good time. So, yes. Well, all that to say, San Jose State. So, great segue. I connect the so, dots. Scott, I get it. I gave you – I just added five more minutes. So, now you've got had 15 minutes to come around. Let's move on. Air Force, San Jose State. Friday night. Um, game so weird. We're gonna be done with service academy football by Friday after Friday night. We have no service academy football on Saturday this weekend, um, which is bizarre um, to think during the football season we'd have no service academy games to watch. But what do we got? Yeah. Maybe, maybe we'll all just like go outside or something for the first time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I mean, I'm I'm happy with this game. I'm I'm feeling comfortable. This is what I was talking about. How I kind of liked. Uh, a, I still don't completely like air force schedule but i like it a little bit better moving up a tough boise game and then having this as a kind of a tune-up um before we go and play navy so obviously san jose san jose state right now sits at two and one they had a win over arkansas this week and then they also beat northern colorado which is a, a uh 
an FCS team, and, and then they had a loss to Tulsa. So there really wasn't a whole lot to look that you can look to uh, with this game that they had against Arkansas that would that would give you any sort of confidence or understanding of exactly what Air Force is going to do to beat San Jose State, other than a few players such as Ethan Aguayo, who had 10 tackles and an interception. But the bottom line is that Arkansas's um, quarterback, Nick Starkle, he, he threw the ball 50 times um, and had five interceptions, one of which directly resulted in a touchdown, um, and all of the others resulted in um, either going to the half or a punt. So even then, when even though we're looking at a San Jose State team that won 31-24, to I wouldn't necessarily say that they are the best team out there uh, in the Mountain West. As Austin said, maybe not worst team west of Mississippi. I think there's a battle going on down in New Mexico for that title. Um, but definitely not great in terms of how the rest of the Mountain West is stacking up this year. Um, so I guess if you want to talk about Arkansas a little bit, like I said, the, the turnovers were the were just the biggest factor. I mean, if you, if you throw five interceptions, you better be putting up about 60 points for the rest of the game. Um, like I said, the one player who's been extremely consistent has been Ethan Aguayo, um, even against Tulsa, which I think is a little bit more of a comparable game to look at for what Air Force should expect. Um, Ethan Aguayo had 14 tackles in that one, and he's a fantastic linebacker. Um, they also have some, some quality DBs with Nehemiah Shelton, who had 10 tackles this week. Um, and then they have, they have some pretty good safeties as well. Um, Josh Love, it's pretty interesting seeing how much San Jose State likes to throw the ball. He threw the ball 49 times um, against Arkansas and then another 20, or another 30 times against um, Tulsa, and he didn't even get all the snaps. So they, they played their backup Nash in that game as well. Um, overall, I think Air Force just needs to kind of get back to their roots a little bit. Um, hopefully... Hopefully Donald Hammond is completely healthy uh, after last game. He did come back, and he looked a little bit, um, still a little bit hurt. He was kind of hobbling around a little bit on his ankle. But overall, I I don't want to, I don't want to like not talk about this game too much because that's sort of what we did with Morgan State, and then we saw how that game ended up. But I think if Air Force really sticks to their plan um, with running that kind of modified option a little bit, as well as passing the ball, relying on some of their newfound talent in, in Benjamin Waters, as well as u- utilizing Isaac, or, uh, Gerard Sanders as much as they can, and then just letting Cade Remsburg um, and, and Taven Berto run the ball. I think they'll be okay um, going into this week. It's a home game. It's Friday night. Um, San Jose State has a short week. We have the full week. I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with where we're at. Yeah, I, I think it's a good a good place for this game and a good tune up and like you said, kind of getting back to your roots after two just big games in Colorado and Boise and and beating Colorado and then wanting to come back and get that first Mountain West win. Now you can kind of hopefully establish get a comfortable you know comfortable victory um, against San Jose State and prepare for you know in, in by doing that by getting back to your roots, prepare for what will be the first leg of the CIC um, the next weekend. So I mean I think it's good and I think also you, you hit you know you hit all the the kind of highlights of what San Jose State brings to this game and what Air Force needs to do, um, but it's just interesting too that this is there's not very many common opponents between our service academy teams that we can look at right but this is one um, and San Jose State will play Army the week before Army and Air Force play so they will have played both Air Force and Army before we talk you know Army Air Force and so I think it's a, you know will give us a good look outside of Hawaii and Tulane and then each other um, that's it as far as. Uh, common opponents so uh, another reason maybe if you're an army fan because you're not playing this week 
and you're waiting for Tulane, um, and you you know you want a game to check out, and you got nothing going on, on Friday night, um, maybe tune into the San Jose State Air Force game. Yeah, I mean the bottom line is that, and I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about picks in a second here, but um, I mean the bottom line is that the spread is is minus twenty and a half for Air Force, and so I think coming af- off of a Boise State loss that ended in the way it did, I don't think Air Force should be too frustrated um, because, like I said, it was just a combination of everything that led to that loss. It wasn't any it wasn't any players doing anything specifically. The injury really kind of hurt us, so. Um, I think they'll go in and take this game seriously. It won't be overlooked. I mean, it would really, really suck going into Navy 0-2 in the conference and then having to deal with more conference games after that. So I think they'll take it seriously, um, and I think I think it will actually be a quality team for the tune-up. So something that's not as bad as necessarily an FCS team, not, not really a Colgate, um, but they're certainly not going to work our players too hard. Hey, I know this game's being played at Falcon Stadium, but have you seen what they've done to San Jose State's home stadium? I can only imagine. No. I have not. One no. of the, I don't want to call it the east or the west side, whatever. One of the uh, sides of the of the stadium, they've removed like almost 10,000 seats, and it's just like a grassy knoll, and it's supposed to be that way for the next four or five years or something while they do some renovations, but they've essentially reduced the capacity of that stadium to like 20,000 people. Crazy. Hmm. Easy, easy. Oh, I see it. it that's so that's weird. Interesting because I don't know what the what the rules are anymore. But there are like I'm sure it's within because they wouldn't do it. But um, other schools that have moved from FCS to FBS have had to upgrade their stadiums because there is a minimum average required attendance in order to be an FBS program. Um, like Coastal Carolina had to do that when they moved from FCS to to the Sun Belt. Um, so it's just interesting to to go backwards like that. Well, it says the. In their season opening win over Northern Colorado, they drew 13,480 fans. 14,000? Yeah, 13,480. But it only seats 21,000 now. Yeah, I think it's a capacity thing, not like okay. a how many you actually draw. Because I would, I mean, that would be tough to... Anyway, the picture, you can see the picture. It does not look good, but it is renovation apparently. So give them a few years, it'll look better. And it's not being played there anyway, yeah, but man... That's tough. Yeah. If Air Force had to draw a minimum number of fans during a five-degree game in <laughs> November, that would not be good for the brand. That is that is the brand, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so let's, we got two games, right? Um, so let's go Navy-Memphis. Um, well, I don't know. Let's, first, let's go Air Force-San Jose State. Is anybody, is anybody calling a San Jose State upset here? I am not. No, nope. one Air Force. I'm not. Ham, Donald Hamlin, it says on here, is listed as probable. So I think that's something worth following. I would say through the week, uh, in terms of Absolutely. in terms of the well, spread. Follow, following, yeah, right. Troy Calhoun is not going to tell. He's going. He's going <laughs> to know until kickoff, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, if he said, it doesn't matter what he said. You're not going to know any. You're not going to get a peep. Um, certainly, I, oh, I wouldn't. Hamlin, I wouldn't be surprised but, if Troy Calhoun had him like take pictures in a walking boot and just spread those around. Just, some just, yeah, <laughs> propaganda. Yeah. So, but, but the other thing, what I will say seriously. to that is, like I said, that the offense didn't seem like it was built around Isaiah. I mean, it's clearly not built around Isaiah Sanders anymore. Um, but I think even if um, they had a week with him kind of running in the starting spot. Um, I, I think that's enough time to make adjustments for him. Like I said, the, the biggest thing was just the clunky-looking triple option plays and just not knowing what to do, so they just gave it up the gut to Birdo. I think opening it up 
um, to more passing to suit Isaiah Sanders' game would be would be fine if that's what we absolutely had to do. So even if that is the case, I think they'll still be okay against a team like San Jose State. All right. Now the what I think would be a tougher one. So Navy Memphis. Um, I want to get Scott and Kayla's takes first. Win or loss for Navy. Who wins, who wins the Navy Memphis game? I'll say this is an, a a win for Navy. Hey, I like Kayla. I'm, I like Kayla. I'm I'm <laughs> I'm the positive one out of the group. But <laughs> I feel true. so bad because I had Air Force winning last weekend. Then. Oh, that's true. Why'd you do this to us? <laughs> I know. So I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm messing up like bad juju. <laughs> no, it's just the aren't you're just you're playing chess. We're all playing checkers. <laughs> He's on top of it. Um, see, here's the thing. I have to give it to Memphis, and I feel like such a bad analyst, if that's what you want to call us, because I did take a peek at the FPI predictor, and I and I know what that entails and how how little it truly means. But I mean, there's just nothing I can really get out of it. I think if Navy goes in and they get shocked a little bit in the first quarter, I don't 100 percent believe that they have the ability to recover. So I'm going to just go on that kind of statistic, that sort of thing, um, and I'll have to give the edge to Memphis in this game. Sorry. But I won't be surprised if Navy wins. Yeah, I, awesome. I, I think you you have to – I guess you don't have to because Kayla didn't. But as I say, I think you have to you have to pick Memphis to win. Um, but think think Navy obviously has an opportunity. Uh, I'm with you. I wouldn't be surprised. Right now I said, like I mentioned earlier, it's a 12-point spread. I'm not, I guess it might be a teaser. By the time this comes out, my risk management article will probably be out. But I haven't written it yet. But if I was to write it right now, I would probably say take take Navy there. You know, a 10 point 10 yeah. point loss is believable, and um, you know, maybe on the wrong side of that, it might be a 14 point loss. But I, I, I like to see a, a 10 point game at, at worst for Navy. Yeah, um, I'm actually gonna. I, I'm. I'm going to be a believer, and I've been the pessimist plenty on plenty of podcasts and, yeah. and articles going into this season about where Navy stood and um, having obviously watched both games and one of them being in person. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, neither of those teams are, are Memphis. That's 100% a certain you know a fact, and, and I still um, I've, I've liked what I've seen. And so I'm going to go into this game believing that this is a game that um, is I'll go ahead and say a statement game for Navy for this, this year. Um, this obviously, game will, this game will make me a believer in the future. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna jump ahead Fair of enough. it and, and quit being a pessimist. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Navy this weekend. So last thing right. I will say, the other thing I, I wanted to add is like just as it stands in my mind, I think Navy is trailing behind the other two service academies just based on like what we haven't seen yet. And yeah. so I, I think that this can do a lot to kind of make yeah. it say. I mean, that, yeah. that's fair enough because Navy's had two games, Air Force has had three, and Army's had four already, right? So like, yeah. they haven't had they haven't had to. Yeah, I, I I get where you're coming from there, and given the Colorado victory, and even though we you know already said the Michigan loss could look you know worse or close close loss could look worse each week, but it's still you know what they did going to the big house still a big deal. Like Navy hasn't had that test yet, so this is their kind of first one of those. So. If if that's oh. a big if. If you were to say Navy Navy beats Memphis, um, and Air Force takes care of business against San Jose State like they should, I'm just saying like no, you no. could argue. <laughs> I feel like any of the order top to bottom in terms of a power ranking for a three service guidance. Oh, okay, okay. Um, Kayla disagrees. Oh, 
I no, I wasn't gonna say that. I'm thinking. I'm just. Con- I I'm could. I could hear. Compl- I could hear a competent <laughs> argument for any order. I would say. All right. So so here's what we're gonna do next week. After Navy beats Memphis and after Air Force takes care of San, <laughs> San Jose State. Okay. We big debate write. on the podcast next week about uh, you know which which program is is ahead in the in the the rankings. Sound that's a good. good? I, that's a good idea. We should yeah. ask. We should ask our our fiery Twitter followers as well because I'm sure they'll have yeah. some hot takes. <laughs> yeah, well, I know. I know where that's gonna go. Price Price does this on yards so. and stripes too every week. So right. Oh, does he? Yeah. Um, okay. Last Good thing idea. I wanted to ask: uh, We need to get some more guests on the podcast too. Yeah. That's another conversation outside of outside of the actual podcast. But um, last thing I wanted to ask, and I'm throwing throwing this out there because I mentioned it earlier on the Slack channel, but I just it, once again, there's no game on Saturday for us to watch. So I don't know if anybody's taken a peek at the overall Saturday schedule yet. Um, if you have, it's terrible. It is a not not a great overall schedule. But I'm just curious, as Service Academy football fans in particular or Mountain West AAC fans, whatever that entails to you. Um, that's kind of the bend I'm going for here. So not the you know big Power 5 games, unless you want to say you want to watch Notre Dame-Virginia because Navy's going to play Notre Dame. But what games are of interest to you, or are you going to tune into some on Saturday um, without any service academy football to watch? The civil conflict is this weekend, is it not? Is this the last civil conflict yeah, it's the ever? La- it's the last one. I'm not, I'm not watching any UConn football <laughs> game this year that – doesn't involve Navy. <laughs> I'm sorry. Man, you got a UCF coming after that loss and UConn just being bad. That's just I'm that's going to be a I'm, great game. I'm not watching that. I know. I watched the UCF game. Obviously, Northwestern taking on Wisconsin at 12. I hate afternoon games, but I got to watch them, um, even though they've been doing interesting this season. Um, and the Penn State and Maryland game, I'll definitely be I'll be checking out. I. It, I'll, I'll let you finish, Scott. Let me, I, I'll give a real answer because I gave a fake one earlier. I would say um, Cincinnati Marshall is interesting to me. See if Marshall's legit. And then even SMU USF is interesting to me because it could yep. be mm-hmm. how legitimately good is SMU and how legitimately bad is yep. USF. Could be a story. Um, I mean, there's some Mountain West matchups this week. I, I, Colorado State, State Utah, Utah State, State. Yeah. Uh, Fresno, or Fresno State plays New Mexico State, which that'll be that should be a blowout. I will say, I will watch that game if possible because if that game is closer than um, we think, then maybe we Fresno State needs to hit the panic button a little bit because I don't think they lived up to their expectations. Um, and then yeah, UNLV Wyoming, Wyoming should take care of business, and then I guess Hawaii Nevada will be good. Like like just getting more game film on these teams, but none of them really jump off the page is, is big games for me yeah i mean other i mean i don't i always like watching games at wyoming so i would want to watch the you know maybe watch tune into unlv at wyoming um but i kind of agree with austin the, uh, and of course it's because it's an aac matchup but the the smu south florida game just based on smu's victory over tcu this past weekend and south florida has been really bad um but it is at south florida like can smu kind of keep that going in that game and those are both common opponents um, for Navy, so I'll definitely, I'll definitely be tuning in to, uh, to that game, and then obviously I'm watching Clemson um, beat UNC, but then Coastal at App State for me is another one that's kind of, I, I'm, I like cheering for Coastal Carolina, it's kind of from where I'm from, and uh, after App State beat UNC, I'm kind of just curious to see how that plays out, even though that's a Sunbelt game and not really related to anything, um, and then my last one is um, I cannot wait to see Georgia Tech and Jeff Collins go back to Temple and get beat by Temple, an AAC opponent. Um, <laughs> and 
it's just the, the Citadel loss for, for me was just such beautiful irony <laughs> because, I mean, just as a Navy fan, I'm sorry. Like, I will always uh, have, you know, mad respect for Paul Johnson and um, what he was able to do at Navy and at Georgia Tech and Georgia Southern and just the way they kind of turned on him for years before finally, you know, he stepped down and just to see a, a triple option team come in there from the FCS um, that had never beaten an ACC school and I believe and beat Georgia Tech. So I, I, I really, I can't wait. It's at Temple too. I cannot wait to see um, Temple win that game. If we're going to do kind of a hate watch game, I think um, I could also maybe say New Mexico at Liberty. I could see Liberty winning that game. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm not going to watch the game cause I'll never watch Rutgers football. Um, and I really don't, I really don't like, I really, I mean, been, been to a game there, worst experience yeah. I ever had as a mid at a game, like getting batteries thrown at us and stuff. It was, it was rough. Oh my God. Um, so I have no, and it was Ray Rice was there. We got beat. It was not, it was not a good experience. Awesome was there um, too, I believe. Um, but Rutgers at Michigan, um, I'll be tuning into that score just because I'm really curious uh, for, about about Michigan, and, and that might end up being a closer game than expected, or Michigan maybe finally figures things out and blows out Rutgers. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> what, a, what a year for Michigan when you say Michigan might figure it out. They might finally blow out Rutgers, right? right. Man. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, all right, cool. Well, Good, good talk. Uh, we got a lot to look forward to this weekend, and uh, Army will be off, and then I guess we'll be uh, a, a full slate after that, right? Um, the next weekend with Army Tulane and the first CIC leg. So that's that's yeah. a that's a pretty big week uh, coming up um, next week too. So that'll be good to talk about. Um, hopefully, we can knock that out before I go incognito for a few weeks. <laughs> Fair. That's right. good. Sounds good. All right. Well, it was good. Good Good talking with y'all, and uh, we'll catch everybody next time. Sounds good. Congratulations to the Navy midshipmen. Winners of the Commander in Chief's Trophy, the great Air Force Falcons. Air Force.